Welcome to Subject Matter, where we help leaders navigate the tricky waters of building a company. We are shining a light on the subtleties that unlock empathetic communication, letting you build powerful relationships. I'm your host, Ben Bradbury, the founder of Astutely, and together we empower B2B leaders with messages that connect with their customers and employees, heads and hearts. And now, let's get into today's story. Whether it's with investors, customers or employees, you need to know how your target audience consumes. Way back in human history, the only option for this was the written word. But now we have visual images, videos, and audio podcasts. There are so many options that we have the ability to execute on. And as a thought leader, you need to know which channel or medium that your audience is going to best respond to in order to meet them where they are and create empathetic messaging. But let's be clear. Creating a podcast versus a video versus designing an image are very different mediums. And it's important to recognize that the way we consume each one is different. And so to avoid your message being lost in the mix of media that is out there today, you need to understand this concept of resensing, which is making content specific to the different senses that you're targeting. We talked about the company Twitch in a previous episode, breaking down how Emmett Shear created Digital Connection as the CEO of Twitch. And Twitch is predominantly a visual company where you look at the images, but you also listen to the streamer as well. So how does something like Twitch differ from audio consumption from a podcast in and of itself? That's the question that we are tackling today. On this episode, we're looking at the history of consumption and explore why for business leaders, you need to understand resensing and the process of creating content for our eyes or ears to match how your audience consumes. To understand the full picture, we have to go way back in history when the practice of writing began with the Sumerians in the city of Uruk, which is present-day Iraq, around 3000 BC. And this would begin the process of documentation and writing for the very first time in human history. This is the origin of information living outside of the mind in any kind of form. And because of this practice of writing starting, it would begin media and as a proxy of that data and consumption. This was a pretty seminal moment in the history of media. Now, this process of data beginning to be externalized from our minds started with the Sumerians writing this form of writing that they called Akkadian cuneiform. And this cuneiform took the form of clay tablets that they would use to exchange information. So on these giant clay tablets, they would catalogue accounting practices for the grain that they had, or maybe they accounted the number of cows that they had in their herd and how they would trade for them. And so the Sumerians started recording this pattern of writing that would form the bedrock of communication later. And in fact, cuneiform, while you might not have heard of it, is the writing that led to the modern European languages that we speak today, the influence of Greek, Latin, and Etruscan roots and words that you hear on subject matter now and every day throughout your life. Now, the key subtlety, the key pattern to understand here is that this behavior is all visual. 
So let's think for a second about another important tablet, the Rosetta Stone. This tablet would unlock the understanding for the Western world of the Egyptian civilization thousands of years ago. We had to use our eyes to read this. Who knows if we'd have any way of understanding the Egyptian language without this visual documentation of the symbol that they used to communicate and translate symbols to meaning. And for the Rosetta Stone and most of human history, in fact, information has been recorded in the visual form. And so consumption was only processed through the eyes. And if you were blind, you weren't able to participate in this ecosystem of information. Now, there's another side to this story, though, because while we do have information that is processed visually through our eyes, there's a whole other world and rich history of information that came about from another sense when we swap the eyes for the ears. To do that, we're going to jump to a different continent from modern day Iraq to Africa. And the American leader of organic chemistry, Wallace Carothers, once said, and I quote, Rural Africans live largely in the world of sound, a world loaded with direct personal significance for the hearer, whereas the Western European lives much more in a visual world which is, on the whole, indifferent to him. In an audio-focused society, the one that the Africans lived in with the rituals that they did, power is in the sound that you produce and the way you say your words matters. The only way to communicate a message previous to the Sumerians was face-to-face with our voices, in real time, orally exchanging information. This is how stories were first born around campfires, where tribal elders would speak to a group enraptured by their tale. And in comparison to where we would write down our information, the way that we say our words is essential. And so for these tribal rituals in Africa, the way that the African tribesman pronounces the word denotes the meaning of the word itself. Think about that for a second. If I say book one way versus book another way, it still means the same thing. But for the African tribesmen, the way that they say their word changes the meaning of the word itself. So it's an inherently oral focus. Now, this is fundamentally different to how European societies who are more visual consumed their information hundreds of years ago, and today American societies as well. With a society that values the written word more, the same need to preserve information is done visually, and so the way we pronounce our words is much less important. Now, let's bring this principle back to the present day, because as a business leader, by studying the culture of your target audience, you can better understand their preferred senses, how they consume information, and therefore hypothesize exactly how something will land. And as we explored on an earlier episode with technology's impact on audio and marketing, that's episode 29, if you want to give that a listen, and the rise of the Beatles, the messages that we share to reach our audience are fundamentally limited by the technology that we use. Today, where we've historically grown up in the Western world for thousands of years with the technology of writing being the dominant mean of communication, 
our visual medium has dominated how we consume and it's dominated the majority of our attention. Think about today, scrolling through social media, that mindless, endless feed. It's a visual process. If you close your eyes, the scrolling stops. And while cuneiform was undoubtedly valuable, any Sumerian would be astounded by how easy it is for anyone to instantly capture tons of information or a fleeting thought on their phone in seconds. Now for the other perspective, think about this podcast that you're listening to and the videos that you watch on YouTube. If you're watching a video on YouTube of a talking head just speaking to you, you're actually listening to that video. And more and more, audio is becoming a go-to channel as an emerging trend. It's an opportunity where we don't need to reach people's eyes, but their ears instead. Now, the truth is that the Western world is hardwired after hundreds of generations, starting way back with the Sumerians and catalyzed with the advent of the printing press in the 15th century by Gutenberg to be readers. And that means that podcasters, this emerging medium, have to go against the grain to reach readers' ears to be effective. That's why we believe it's astutely the leaders of tomorrow are the ones that can effectively reach the reader's ear. And notice here how we said the reader's ear. This subtlety matters because your target audience are people who have been raised to focus on primarily visual consumption, but are now increasingly moving to audio consumption. And this means that we've come full circle where the articulation of our voices matters more than ever. For podcasters, just like African tribesmen enacting their rituals, how you say something is just as important as what you say. To illustrate this, I want you to imagine that this podcast script was pasted in tandem to sharing this episode, and you gave this script a read. Now, unfortunately, it's not very readable in its current form. It won't be nearly as effective as the podcast itself. Why? Because the delivery of listening to a podcast is totally different to the delivery of reading a script. Readers are more open to being listeners if they read an enticing insight highlighted with a timestamp in show notes, but not if they read a complete block of text. You have to re-sense the content. You have to repurpose it from the ears to the eyes. Now, this analysis on the podcasting medium comes from podcast host Jordan Harbinger, who points out that podcasts are an entertainment medium where words are able to wander. And on the other hand, writing is distilled wisdom, where relevance is critical. And if you don't hold someone's attention, then the reader will stop reading. So how should you be thinking about making your content as engaging as possible, no matter where your audience consumes? The podcast transcript can be used as the basis for your resensed content, but it needs to be intentionally worked to meet that preference for how your audience consumes. So what you need to do here is resense the content you create. And this means if you're starting with audio, taking that audio and making it visually appealing by rethinking how the message is presented to people's eyes instead of their ears. And this is the exact process that astutely applies with the podcasts we create. We're an audio first agency, but we don't want to cut ourselves short. 
by only focusing on podcasts. And that's why we're resensing our content specifically for LinkedIn to connect with people's eyes who are viewing on the platform and the ears of the podcast listeners at the same time. So to make this practical for you, start by putting yourselves in the shoes of your consumer and empathizing with their consumption preferences. Start this process by auditing your own content channels. What is resonating with your audience? And you can determine this by asking three key questions about their consumption habits. Number one, are your audience mainly reading copy? Two, or are they watching video? Or three, are they listening to audio? If you don't know the answer here, then start asking to find out what the different consumption patterns are that is appealing to your audience. And realize that different senses allow your message to be understood in different ways. So if you're going to do video, for example, invest in a quality lens so you look great. If you're going to do audio, invest in a quality microphone so you sound great. And if you're going to write, then draft and draft and draft again so the audience isn't just seeing that first rough thought. But instead, they're seeing, as Jordan Harbinger says, distilled wisdom, ideas that have had some rigorous thought applied to them. It's worth taking a step back to acknowledge how far we've come in society today since the Sumerians. The Sumerians sparked a visual mode of consumption that has lasted for over 5,000 years. And finally, this is starting to change with a shift to audio. There's an opportunity to seize here in making your message match to your audience's habits in how they're consuming. So to do this, audit your content channels and see how you're appealing to your audiences. Ensure that you're not merely repurposing your content, taking that rough podcast transcript and pasting on the web, but that you are actually resensing it. And this means taking audio and making it applicable to the eyes of the reader or taking written content and making it appeal to the reader's ear. And that's the key thing here is that you need to reach readers' ears in order to be effective, in order to resense content that's going to connect with their hearts and heads. It's ultimately worth remembering that meeting your consumers, whether they're customers or employees, on your platform of choice is going to require you to step out of your shoes and into theirs. And that's the heart of empathetic communication and why resensing content, whether connecting with the reader's ear or their heart or head, is a powerful tool to allow your audience to feel understood. Hey, it's Ben here. Just before you head off, one quick thing. This podcast teaches you the skill of empathetic communication. And if you're interested in accelerating your empathetic communication and to start applying it to your brand and business, we've created an actionable five-step checklist, which breaks down the exact steps you need to take to unlock this skill and start creating messages that connect with your customers and employees, heads and hearts. You can download it for free over on our website, weareastutely.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Subject Matter.